Do you buy groceries, beauty products, have a gym membership, fill up on gas, go out to eat, or are looking forward to your next travel experience? If you answered yes, then don't miss out on the Chase Sapphire Preferred Card. No foreign transaction fees and points on all your other purchases. Features I enjoy using in Ultimate Rewards are the Pay Yourself Back feature and the Cash Back feature. Use the referral link in this episode to get a sign-on bonus that is currently 60,000 bonus points when you spend $4,000 in the first three months. With 24-7 concierge services and trip cancellation and interruption insurance, you can travel with peace of mind. Apply now using the link in this episode description and start earning valuable points on all your everyday and out-of-the-ordinary adventures. Hey, welcome to the Echo and Encourage podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Garrido, and I'm here to talk about all things that echo eternity and encourage everyone. From how to embrace entrepreneurship to the best tips to flourish in your life. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Echo and Encourage podcast. I am so excited to share with you that today we have a very special guest. He has been here before, my dad, Pastor John Abbott. Thank you so much for coming, Dad. Oh, so glad to be here with my daughter. We are so excited because today, Pastor John is going to share an introduction to conflict resolution. Yeah, I'm excited to do that. I I can't say it's my favorite subject, But it's a subject that you just have to deal with, especially as we focus in on the the church and religious setting that uh, we're describing today. What is conflict resolution and why is it needed? Well, that's a great question. That's foundational to everything. And simply put, uh, conflict resolution uh, has the goal of peacemaking. So we got to keep that in mind. We have our conflicts and we either have a fight or flight response to them. We can get stuck like a deer looking at the headlights. We can uh, escape and take off uh, or we could be aggressive and charge like a rhino. So there are escape responses on the farthest end of the spectrum. There are aggressive responses on the other end farthest end of the spectrum. And then there are peacemaking responses and they're solidly in the middle. And that's where we want to uh, work from. But uh, peacemaking then as a goal is how we resolve our differences and restore our relationships with God and each other. Thank you for sharing that. How has conflict resolution come up in ministry as a pastor? Well, Can I tell you a very simple story Uh, uh, by way of introduction of this? I think it's helpful. Uh, It's a story of a man who was shipwrecked on a desert island, uh, the only one. And after 15 years, someone, a group comes uh, sailing by and spots him. And uh, he says, would you like a tour of the island and what I've done here? I've been here for 15 years. And I've done a lot of things. And they said, sure. And they said, this is my home. And it was amazing. Three bedroom, two bath home with a fireplace and 
just uh, everything. And then he said, let's go down the street. I built roads and shops. Here's my bank. And here's my grocery store. Here's the gym I work out at. And, uh, and he said, most importantly, let me show you where I go to church. And there were only two buildings left. So they said, he said, uh, this is where I go to church and uh, worship God. And uh, they said, well, what's the other building for? He said, well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> so the story in a humorous way is trying to say conflict is inevitable. Even if we're <laughs> living on by ourselves. there's going to be conflict. So it starts within each one of us and it spreads like fire. So conflict, um, disunity uh, is uh, uh, common to our experience. And the goal is how are we going to resolve that conflict, restore relationships in a way, in our Christian setting, in a way that is healthy mm -hmm. and godly, filled with humility, conflict resolution and peacemaking is just impossible without humility. So humility, how is God going to restore, not just fix a problem our way, but reconcile, bring together two parties who are opposed at, at odds for some reason. Thank you for sharing that story. That was really insightful. And it makes me think that there are a lot of people that have gone to churches and then decided to maybe church hop because of the conflict that wasn't resolved in a healthy way. How have you used conflict resolution skills in your ministry to either shepherd people who have been hurt or yourself being um, a pastor where there could be conflict inevitably? You know, uh, that is such a relevant question because I, I think for me as a pastor, slash Christian, uh, when I look at the Bible in Scripture from the start, you see uh, Cain and Abel in conflict. You see Isaac and Esau, Joseph and his brothers, uh, Jesus and the religious authorities. I mean, even Jesus had conflict. Mm -hmm. So to have conflict does not mean you're not a Christian or there's something terrible about you. Uh, it's going to happen. It's how we respond to it in a humble, loving way. Can Because God is so amazing. You know the scripture that says that uh, God is able to bring good out of everything. Mm -hmm. God can even bring good out of our conflicts. So in ways that we serve him better, we glorify him, we're able to love, uh, we're able to be more in touch with our emotional spiritual self in ways we weren't before, because now things have been brought out to the light. And we say, God, I need you to heal that. Please heal me there so I can better reflect you. So in the church, there can be, as in any place at home, in the workplace, there can be minor conflicts that we brush off. And I have to tell you, when you ask, how do you deal with conflicts in the church setting? I would say 90% uh, my conflicts in church are often things that are minor offenses that we should just be gracious and overlook and be like a pillow and just let the grace, 
let God's grace constantly breathe out of us so we're not trying to micromanage and control everyone to treat us just right. Most are minor offenses, but there are times when uh, conflict uh, becomes entrenched, persistent, controlling, abusive, mm -hmm. and we have to take it a step up. And the Bible has guidelines such as Matthew 18 and ways that we can approach uh, healthy resolutions for conflict and restoring relationships. Yes. In your ministry, have you witnessed spiritual abuse take place? Spiritual abuse is a, uh, a much uh, deeper form of uh, elevated level than just the minor offenses of people being gruff, uh, something like that. It, that's really more of a systemic pattern of coercive and controlling behavior that really seeks to manipulate people into control. Uh, control of them. So, and, and done in a religious church context, that can send so many mixed messages that are hurtful and confusing about God, because church is supposed to be the place where you're healed and everyone's loving each other. So it could be very traumatic to be manipulated and abused by people using a spiritual manipulation. You should believe me, trust me, do what I say because I'm the leader. Um, I have spiritual authority. I know better. There's something wrong with you. And they always diminish and minimize you and uplift themselves, abusing their authority or God's word. And that's really dysfunctional and, and ungodly. I've also heard people in leadership or within the church say things like, okay, well, you're not healed from chronic pain because your faith isn't great enough, or um, you need to stay in a toxic situation because your faith isn't great enough, or you need to um, keep showing up in these ways because where's the grace at? Have you heard similar things being been oh, said? Oh, often, often. And it, it's a form of manipulation to say, if you're a true Christian, you should let me keep punching you in the face. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus submitted himself to his father's will when there was a purpose, an ultimate eternal goal. And before that, though, he escaped crowds that were going to push him over a hill mm -hmm. um, until the time was right. So there is a time when God says, I want you to stand under the fire of persecution mm -hmm. and you'll be strong. And there are times when it's healthy to make a boundary. And as a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, God uh, performed, uh, exercised many forms of making boundaries among his people and defining what holiness is and consequences when holiness was breached. And in, in the New Testament, Paul goes so far as to say, sometimes the goal is always redemption. The goal is always reconciliation. But at times, boundaries need to be made, se separation from uh, people that may be uh, harming you. So uh, it depends on the situation. It takes a lot of prayer and discernment and bringing in spiritual, godly people to help you navigate the situation. Would you please share some ways that God has helped you cope or address spiritual abuse? Yeah, uh, you know, 
I love Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. And, and just the, the gist of it is the beautiful thought that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We can always forgive people, but it doesn't always mean we're reconciled or brought together with them. Forgiveness can be a one-way street, but reconciliation takes both parties coming back together to be healed and whole again in their relationship. So uh, we can seek for reconciliation, but it doesn't always happen. But I've had beautiful experiences where marriages, uh, the couple was at such odds, and one of them, uh, one spouse was absolutely convinced that there was no hope. She was so angry at her husband and there was no hope for marriage, but we kept uh, praying, working together, seeing God, give me hope if, if I can change and my husband can change. And they became so reconciled that they began doing uh, marriage reconciliation seminars themselves and hosting them. Uh, it was beautiful. Conflict is inevitable, it's been said, but reconciliation is always possible by the grace of God. Uh, some people will resist, and, and sadly, there has to be a separation. But if two are willing, that reconciliation is possible. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I think that in the church, there's a lot of reconciliation that's needed for a lot of people, which I think we'll get more into in this episode. What are some practical ways for people to use conflict resolution skills in their relationships? Oh, every day uh, there are opportunities to use conflict resolution skills. Uh, as all of us know, anyone listening out there, viewing, you and I know in the workplace, you could go to the store and, and there's an opportunity for conflict resolution because someone is upset or angry or rude. Uh, so these opportunities present themselves all the time. So first of all, uh, we're not, there's going to be a part two and we're going to get more into this, but I've got to tell you the overarching rule of my heart is to try to breathe out grace. Mm -hmm wherever I am. Breathe out grace. Do, do I succeed in that? Always no. I don't. But it is a goal. They, they say, uh, if you don't have a goal, you'll, you'll hit that target every time. Yeah. So have a goal of breathing out grace and practice it. It's just like uh, I recently began going to the gym for a back injury, and I couldn't do certain things at the start that I could do six months later. As we develop our, our grace muscles, the heart of grace, as we practice it, it becomes more and more natural. So our first tendency when we're uh, slighted, when we're uh, misused a bit, is to, in these minor offenses, we say, hey, it's not worth it. They need love. Hurt people hurt people, and they're stressed, they're this, that, and just breathe out grace and, and say, brother, I hope you have a good day. Uh, when it gets more 
I try to listen before I, I try to, my natural sinful heart wants to um, demand uh, an adequate explanation for why they treated me so it satisfies satisfies me and or uh, I want them uh, to apologize. Um, this doesn't build trust and reconciliation peacemaking. So I, I need to understand where they're coming from. I have members of every church where um, maybe they're extra prickly. Uh, some run the gamut all the way up to toxic and abusive, and they hurt people. And uh, I need to understand where they're coming from. Uh, and so heart of grace, breathe grace, listen as much as you can, and uh, try to develop a reconciliation process, which could look a bit different for each individual. But we'll get more into that in our part two, the practice of it. Yes, we will. What is your vision for conflict resolution for God's people? Oh, Hannah, this is my dream. This is my dream that the church is never going to be perfect this side of heaven. Jesus said offenses will come. But we could come so much farther in developing a biblical value of loving God results in loving others unselfishly and healthfully and resolving conflict in healthy, godly ways. So I think we need to do a much better job at emphasizing the biblical value of how loving God will result in loving others kindly, respectfully, and unselfishly. And we'll have, there'll be an expectation over the church that we know how to identify ungodly, dysfunctional behaviors and attitudes and address them in a redemptive way that hopefully people will all want to enter into. So I see a church where people understand emotional and mental dysfunction and, uh, and how that relates to spirituality. And uh, they willingly, excitedly are eager to say, you know what, I wanna see where I can contribute more positively to the to this peacemaking process. I can't wait for the day I am praying for that Acts 2, and even the Bible wasn't perfect, but uh, in, in the early church, and yet their goal was to reconcile, have redemptive relationships, to apologize and go through a peacemaking process. And you see people being reconciled in the New Testament. And that's beautiful, that's, that's our goal, not perfect, but willing to enter a process, a peacemaking process. What does reconciliation look like? Reconciliation looks like two parties that say uh, both believe that their their positions are more important than loving each other and respecting each other. And reconciliation says turns that around and says my ability to love you and respect you and serve you is more important than you believing or agreeing with my position. People are always more important than positions. So loving them is more important than having them agree with you. That's beautiful. 
What are some resources people can use or go to so that they can learn more about conflict resolution? You know, I, I love this question because I, I have a Kindle app and I've got a thousand books on there. And I love, I, I always go, do you want, do you, I can lend you my library electronically. Do you want to read on this or that? There are so many books available. There are so many ministries available. So let me give you a couple examples. Uh, as a pastor, I have seen such a need for a peacemaking process. When I was in Hawaii, I attended a 40-hour training sponsored by peacemakers where they, they taught you these basic principles and we did a lot of role playing and it was actually quite challenging, but it was a great introduction into that. I, I rec And now you can do it online. You don't have to travel somewhere to do it. You could do it online. They're the Peacemakers Organization, headed out by Ken Sand, S-A-N-D-E. Uh, they have great books. They have great training, great resources on their website, Peacemakers. Just Google that. There are lots of, of books available on Amazon that are that address anything from everyday conflict to marital conflict, workplace conflict, and conflict in the church. And again, places like peacemakers and any ministry focus on the family. There are so many that uh, offer resources, video, uh, sermon, uh, online curriculum, training, books, tapes. It's, it's all available online. Do you offer one-on-one -on -one services for people that want to learn directly from you on conflict resolution? Oh, this is something, Hannah, I'm getting into because there is such a need in the body of Christ for healing, for inner healing. And God promises this healing. And uh, we are not the dispensers of that healing. There's no virtue in us. And, and yet the Bible calls us to love one another, to bear each other's burdens. There's a Bible character named Barnabas. Uh, it's not his real name. I think he's the son of Joseph or something, but his nickname was Barnabas because he was known as the son of encouragement, meaning as if his father himself was Mr. Encouragement and he's a spitting image of his daddy. And he was so encouraging to people, it implies he had a gift for peacemaking. And you know what, Hannah? There are people in the church that God wants to equip, uh, to use, to mentor people, to guide them in this peacemaking process. Many have been traumatized by the church and they need healing. Many have uh, been either a victimizer or a victim. And there's help for both. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to the best of my ability, I have just... A, a burden for seeing people healed of that hurt, whether victimizer or victim. And there are resources and there are ways, whether it's counseling, whether it's the different multimedia that we mentioned, whether it's just someone, I at least can begin to support them through prayer, through encouragement. Uh, we can be a Barnabas to each other. I'm just one of a, I hope, uh, uh, countless uh, group that's out that I already see out there that wants to offer encouragement and guidance to people and lead them to a healing path. So 
If anyone wants to contact me, my Gmail is jnavit7 at gmail.com, jnavit7. And uh, we can connect and we can see how we could go down that path together, at, at least be some spiritual first aid for people who may need counseling, may need something deeper. Amen. What is one thing that we can start doing to echo eternity or encourage others? You know how the Bible says, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. How has he loved us? With grace. Grace doesn't mean you let everything slide. Some people think that, well, if I'm going to get grace, you're going to let me treat you any way I want. No, grace means that you'll remain respectful, kind, loving, and, and offer a redemptive path. So treat others with the same grace God has given you. Make that your goal. When you fall short, I'm sorry. I could have done better. Here's what I plan to do differently. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but make it a goal to breathe out the same grace God has breathed upon you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I just got to say, Dad, <laughs> thank you so much, Pastor John, for coming and sharing your heart. Your vision is beautiful for God's people. And I'm so excited because your um, heart for this topic is so precious. And I know a lot of people that will be blessed by the healing that will come through all of this great work. And I'm excited for all the people that will reach out to you to set up these one-on-one -on -one spiritual first aid calls and that you can help minister to them through all of your beautiful stories for the part two that we'll have. Um, I'm sure that we'll connect via Zoom. And I am so grateful for how you've modeled how to handle conflict and resolution to me. Thank you. Um, it's been an honor to be your daughter. You have the Lord. just done an incredible job. I've witnessed firsthand um, the, the different spiritual abuse, the different conflict that has not only come at you, but also at my mom, your wife, and at me and my brother. And the way you've taught us to handle that with grace and boundaries and to have the hope of um, a new approach that the church can have just makes this side of heaven come all the more alive. So thank you for the work that you're doing in my life and in everyone around you. You're so sweet. And I know we're closing, but Hannah, I've got to tell you, sweetheart, that uh I, I can't help but to thank God that there's a Barnabas, as I mentioned in scripture. I think you're a modern day Barnabet. <laughs> we'll call you Barnabet. You're a daughter of encouragement. And not from me, but from your heavenly father. And you reflect his grace because through so much conflicts that, that we have endured, as, as you've mentioned, as, you, as you've alluded to, you've been such a source of encouragement to myself and and i felt bad that as a pastor's daughter you had to go through that but you kept turning to jesus and your eyes are on him instead of people we will always disappoint each other including me but he never does and 
you've caught that and you say, all right, it was difficult, but my heavenly father is there gracing me and I'm going to love even more. Thank you. Your podcast is that Barnabet encouraged source of encouragement there. You're bringing on guests and you're bringing in insights and you're being a facilitator. Uh, your program is so encouraging. So may God continue to bless and grow your ministry. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you liked it, and if you enjoy the show in general, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. If you want to see more about each episode, head over to the Echo and Encourage podcast on Instagram or Echo and Encourage on YouTube.